Okay, what comes to mind when you hear the words empty nest? Now, I have to admit, John and I are at a stage where we still have little kids at home. We have teenagers, we have young adults, adult kids. <laughs> We're like, empty nest, yes please, I just want to sleep in. But I know I've been through it before where we've launched kids and it is really hard. Empty nest means transition. Empty nest can mean loss. Empty nest can mean so many things. And sometimes we worry about losing the relationship we have with our kids. Now, one of my favorite memories was my oldest son, Corey, when he was two, I remember laying on the bed, he was curled up beside me and his little squeaky voice was singing, Jesus loves me. And I just like in that moment said, I need to capture this. I need to remember this moment forever with my little toddler. Well, now he is 30 years old, has a couple kids, um, doing the dad thing, working. And, you know, even last night he came over, we played a board game, he had dinner and always wraps his arms around me and he's towers over me. He's uh, probably eight inches taller than me now. And that is a moment too, just like I captured that moment with my little toddler with his squeaky voice. I want to capture these moments with my adult kids. I want to be there to love, support, make connections, build a relationship, and not think about the challenges that come. There are challenges with the empty nest, and sometimes it's with our mind and our heart. Now, I'm going to talk about all of these things with today's guest. You are going to love Jill Savage. She has been doing Hearts at Home conferences for many years, has written wonderful books, and I'm so excited that she's written this one, Empty Nest, Full Life, because she's going to share kind of the insights that she has on an empty nest. We're going to talk about good things, exciting things, but also tough things, like what do you do when your kid makes bad choices, or how do you handle marriage struggles after your kids are grown? So tune in and we're going to talk about all these things with the amazing Jill Savage. You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to heart to heart chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, friends, in Walk It Out today, we're going to be talking about something that I know impacts every mother at one time or another. And really, even though we do everything right when we have the kids at home and none of us do everything right, there are still challenges when they start leaving the home. Sometimes we don't think about that. So we're going to be talking about that today with my guest, Jill Savage. So welcome, Jill. Well, thank you. It's good to chat with you, Tricia. 
Oh, it's so great to connect with you. And I was thinking today, earlier today, as I was preparing for our chat today, um, when I first met you, and I don't even think I met you, I think I saw you speak. It must have been at a MOPS convention. And I remember sitting there and you were sharing and you were talking about, and I had little kids at the time, um, little kids. So this is like 20, maybe 20 years ago. Yep, I don't know, something yep. like that. And I remember you were just so encouraging and inspiring. And the I can't even remember exact your exact words, but the one thing I do remember is you talk about this point where our kids will grow up and they will leave home. And you held up this football jersey as one of your kids. It was a football jersey. And you said, look at how big they get. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, I had little ones at home still. Our three oldest were still little. And just that visualization is something that I remember that they do grow up. They do get big. They do yes. um, leave the house. Yes, exactly. I believe when I did that message, I actually um, showed the um, outfit that I brought one of my sons home from the hospital in. And then I showed like the football jersey. And it was just that that visual of of really representing that growth and the change that's going to happen in their lives. Yeah, and absolutely. And I think just as a young mom, it just helped me to see like it goes so quickly. And I know we're going to be talking about that today with empty nesters. And, um, you know, before we dive in, which I've already, <laughs> I've already jumped in, but why don't you just share a little bit about yourself and kind of your family and where they are now? Yeah, well, my husband and I live in normal Illinois. And um, really, our passion is to help people to deal with the normal stuff of life which is honestly when life doesn't turn out the way that we think it will, which most of us have experienced to some degree or another. And so we are um, uh, parents of five young adult children. They range from the age of 23 to 34, and we have four grandchildren. And so we are absolutely loving this season of life um, that we're in. I led a ministry called Hearts at Home for 24 years. And um, that really launched me into my speaking and my writing and really uh, sealed my, my passion to encourage moms and marriages. Yeah, absolutely. And I was able to speak at one of those conferences and it was just a great conference and um, just the moms there were so excited. And I think when you're in the middle of momming little kids, it is awesome to have all those people around you and encouraging you. But I know often we don't have the same type of connections when our kids start leaving home. And my kids are now are between the ages of 30 and eight. (laughs) Just when we were getting to be empty nesters, we adopted seven of our kids. So, um, you know, but there's still all the hands-on little kid stuff that we're doing. But I didn't expect a lot of the challenges when our kids started leaving home. And I know that you really have a passion for that and want to help prepare moms as they enter this new stage of life. Right. You are in what I call messy middle because you are really, you know, you've got some that are launched. And so you have to know how to navigate that new relationship with those kids. Um, so you really need to understand what we talk about in my Empty Nest Full Life book. Now, I know when you talk about emptiness, I think one of the first things you cover in the book is letting go. And I think that is the hardest thing I remember. Okay, this is a, two funny things. First of all, um, when my yeah. oldest son got married and went on his honeymoon, <laughs> I like I was texting. And I actually called like, how are you guys doing? And he's like, mom, 
we're on my honeymoon. I'm like, well, they drove from Montana to California. Okay. I just like wanted to make sure they were okay. And then our daughter was in the dorm. Our fourth was in the dorm. And this was the first time that went away at the dorm. And I remember just like after we got her unpacked, just leaving her at the dorm was like, oh my goodness, what if the other girls aren't nice? And all these thoughts. And that was my fourth child. So it's not just like this happens once and then it's you're done. So talk a little bit about that letting go. Oh my goodness. And I think it, I think it makes a difference with each child because of their personalities, their temperaments, the way in which we interact with them personally. So uh, we definitely have to let go. But here's what I here's what I have learned is there's some different parts of letting go. Like for instance, we have to let go of expectations. Like for instance, expecting them to want to connect with us as much as we want to connect with them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like on their honeymoon. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And so. You know, with my with my girls, um, I have two girls, three boys, and with my girls, I I touch base with them almost daily as young adults. With my boys, I have one that if I hear from him once a month, it's good, and I, and my other two maybe once a week, once every two to three weeks. Guess what? All of that is normal, and it it's mm-hmm. normal for each kid. So we have to adjust those expectations. Like we have to let go of those expectations. Like we have to let go of knowing things that we used to know. Like the first time my adult son like showed up at my house with facial hair, I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What just happened? you know? <laughs> yes. And because I would have known those things were in process before and you just don't know them. And so you start to feel a little left out and, and, and you have to really, you have to recognize, no, I have to let go of knowing things. I have to let go of expecting things to be the same way that they have been in the past. So that's one thing that we've really got to let go of. We got to let go of guilt. Every Mm -hmm. mama that, you know, it, it sends a kid off thinks of 25, 30, 50, 100 things she wishes she'd done different. So let's, right. let's just recognize that is part of the journey. Give ourselves grace and move forward. So we got to let go of guilt. We- I remember driving my, um, my third oldest to college. And uh, he didn't have his license yet. And I'm like, okay, this kid should be driving himself to college for one. Felt guilty. He was just like the easygoing, did it like, you know, unless you pushed him, he wasn't. And on the way there, I'm like, oh my goodness. I was thinking of all the stuff that we didn't do. Like here he is going to college. Like that guilt thing. It's so true. You're never going to build this ideal in your mind of everything that you want to do with the kid in those 18 years. Nope. Nope. And so we've got to know what to do when that hits us. And that is we've got to give ourselves grace. Um, you know, admit I wasn't a perfect parent. And um, but guess what? My kids have a perfect God and we're all going to be OK. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another thing. We got to let go of opinions. Oh, my goodness. Our kiddos are going to make life decisions we don't agree with. They're going to make difficult decisions that we are going to wish that they'd, you know, made in some other way. And man, what I say is when we become empty empty nesters, we we belong to the keep it shut club. Mm -hmm. That's what we do. And that is hard for us mamas because, you know, we have wisdom. We want to be able to share with them, but we have to learn to wait until they ask for that wisdom when they become young adults. 
Um, so that, Absolutely. that's yeah. a, a hard one. Um, traditions is another thing we got to let go of. Oh my goodness. We've been doing things the same way and you're in that messy middle. So those traditions are really important to the younger ones because you, you know, you do certain things at Thanksgiving and Christmas and birthdays, but we have to give our adult kids the gift of flexibility. And Mm -hmm. that makes such a difference for them. Yeah. And ask them like what things that they want to be involved in and what things, you know, that they're fine, if, especially if they live close enough. Yeah. Um, you know, if you do Christmas breakfast or I mean, we have the things that we always do. And um, I've learned to ask my older sons that live in town, um, what things would you like to participate in and then schedule kind of the family thing around that? Like they don't have to do everything. Um, especially if they're married, then their you know spouse kind of has some opinion yes. on that. But there are things that they do want to be involved in, and that they have the tradition. One of our traditions is um, the family Bible story, but we add everyone has parts, and we have sound effects, and it's like a Christmas morning thing. And even my daughter, who's a missionary and she lives in the Czech Republic, she, her and her husband will Skype in for that Christmas story. Like they don't need all the other stuff, but like that Christmas story is important to her. So it is like, what's important? What do you want to be involved in and what things maybe aren't important? And and like you said, being okay with that. And when you were saying earlier about opinions, um, I love one of your quotes uh, in the book. It says, um, start paying attention to opportunities you have to withhold comment. <laughs> so, you know, give yourself, uh, that is so good. And just realize like, Sometimes they just need someone to listen. And I love how you said withhold the comment until they ask, Um, you know, just, just let them talk. And then if they ask for advice, you know, of course, of course we have an opinion about it, but we don't need to always give it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I think the, uh, the, the last thing that I think has been huge for me to learn has been letting go of our, your child's problems. Because Mm -hmm. they are going to have problems and you're going to want to swoop in and help fix them. But the truth is, I I have a friend, Brenda Yoder, that uh, also speaks on empty nest and launching kids. And she says, don't steal the struggle from your kids. And I really love those words that, you know, to think about stealing the struggle. What a difference that makes when they have to wrestle through it. And, um, so we really, we, we, we cannot, um, you know, fix our kids' problems. We have to allow them to walk through it themselves. Right. And, you know, that is the hard thing. And I think sometimes I think when I had younger kids, I was focused on like them making good decisions and them, uh, making right choices and them following God. But the truth is, even if they do, there are still people in their lives yep. that are going to hurt them. There's still going to be relationships. We've had that a relationship fail with one of our kids. Yep. Um, even though, you know, this, the, the other person chose to walk away. So it's like, we have no choice but to support them, but we can't save him from that no. or job struggles. And it's so hard because to, to know that it's not only our kids decisions, but life is hard and life happens um, and they have to walk through that. Um, and it, it is hard sitting back and watching that. It is. We we have one son. He um, We adopted him. It was an international adoption. And he was nine when he became a member of our family. And he has had a lot of mental health issues. And he's now, you know, 25 and continues to. And 
he refuses to get the help that he needs. So this mm-hmm. is a place where we have got to, in fact, we've learned um, the concept. It's often used in addiction circles called lovingly detaching. So you do not detach from the person, but you detach from their problems. So mm-hmm. um, that has been a huge learning curve for us, but has also uh, really given us that peace that we've needed to know how to handle all of the, the issues that he seems to um, surround himself with, many based upon his own choices. Right. Yeah. And I was just with um, some writer friends at a retreat this weekend. And, you know, two of them have had children that have made really bad choices as adults, one still going through it. And one of them just shared, you know, the best thing for her child was when he showed up at the door, he had a a drug and alcohol problem Mm -hmm. for her to say, I'm so sorry. I love you. You cannot come in. I will not give you money. Um, and shutting the door on him. And I'm just like, my heart is breaking thinking as a mom doing that, but he was able to go and seek help from an organization and go into rehab and do all these things because, you know, his parents weren't, you know, letting him sleep on the couch or giving him more money or, you know, lending the car, all these things. And I'm just like, my heart is breaking. Um, but yes. it is, uh, you talk about in the book, a time drain, emotional drain, guilt and shame, things that we don't need to carry, especially when they are making hard choices. Yes. And, you know, where we finally landed is we're not the help he needs. So mm-hmm. our job is to point him to the help that he needs, to help him connect the dots to the help he needs, but he has to make that choice himself. And, um, and you're right, boy, as a parent... There is nothing worse than saying, no, you cannot stay here when you know that they mm-hmm. have nowhere else to stay. But at the same time, you have to learn. And what my husband and I had to do is we had to go, is our help helping him? No, right. actually it wasn't. And so then we realized, guess what? If your help isn't helping them, then you're actually enabling them. And so, yes, right. we, we definitely need to learn to let go of our child's problems you don't let go of your child, but, and, and, you know, from a really practical perspective, um, our son, um, often, uh, he has had several suicide attempts and, um, after one of them, um, I stopped one of my trips that I was to go speak on. I, you know, all of a sudden life just turns upside down when something like that happens. And I had a very good friend, good 20 years older than me, 20 years down the road, who also had had a child that had had many of these issues. And she said to me, I know this is going to sound really harsh, but the next time this happens, I want to encourage you to go to the hospital, to pray over your son, to kiss him on the cheek, to tell him how much you love him, and 15 minutes later to walk out the door. And Mm. that, I mean, that was that feeling of like, are you kidding me? We can't do that. But that was the very first step of learning to lovingly detach. Yeah. And let's, let's go a little bit deeper about that too. Cause I know there's probably people that t- tell you that's not what you need to be doing. And there might even be other family members that might be telling you that's not what you need to be doing. And then there's that guilt of, oh my goodness. I mean, how do you battle that? Cause I know there's a lot of listeners that are probably dealing with this. They know they're not helping, but also walking away is hard too. 
It is. It really is. And I think that I think you really have to come to that that moment of going of asking yourself, are we really helping? And uh, when we can recognize that our help isn't helping, um, then then we realize, okay, then it's time for some tough love. You know, then it's time for. And, and that's a, I don't, a lot of people don't like the word tough love, but it's just time to say you, this is not the help that you need. And we want to point you to the help, but you can't stay here anymore yeah. um, because it's not helping you in life. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, that, and, and I think you have to surround yourself with other parents that do understand that. That's why places like Al-Anon exist, uh, Celebrate Recovery, uh, those kind of programs exist to help people to have support who are also walking through that. Mm-hmm. You talk in there about um, choosing to lovingly detach. And I think it is a loving thing for that person where they can find hopefully um, the help they need. And also just because we're physically, you know, detaching, I mean, those kids are still in our prayers. I mean, that's, that's not going to stop oh my and, and just placing yes. them in God's hands. Exactly. And, you know, an example, our son, um, we never know where he lives. He never tells us where he lives, but I do stay in touch with him through text. And about every two weeks, I try to take him to lunch. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just to, just to stay connected with him, just, and he'll sometimes say, Hey, can I bring my car over and work on my car out in the barn? We have, you know, uh, an area where he can be out of the sun. Yeah, you can do that. But if he says, hey, can I live with you? Can I stay at the house? No, you cannot do that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's so you're, you're finding that way that you can still be their cheerleader. You can still encourage them. You can still stay connected to them, but you are no longer connected to their problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That... They carry the weight of that. Yeah, that is so good. And then, you know, sometimes it takes getting to those those really hard places that they do turn to God, um, that they do seek the yes. help that they need. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So good. Okay. So, you know, that is, I think, one of the hardest things about letting go. Um, but also, what do you mean by letting go of idols? <laughs> well, I think that oftentimes we don't realize what we are really worshiping. And so Mm. um, I do believe that we need to let go of the idols of identity. Um, Mm -hmm. Oftentimes as mamas, we have found our identity in our children and their good choices or their poor choices. And we really have to recognize that that is... um, that's an idol. We, we've, we've turned our kids into idols. And so then we feel bad about ourselves if they make bad choices. We feel good about ourselves if they make good choices. And so right. um, that's a place we honestly, many of us have the idol of control. Um, you know, we, we try to control our kids and their actions. And this one, a lot of times goes back to identity because if we can control them, then we still look good. And, um, man, it's hard to admit those things, but the truth is they really play into our relationship with our kids. It puts, when, mm-hmm. when, when we have the idol of identity on our kids, it puts incredible pressure on them. And it really is a uh, place that will cause a rift in your relationship with your kids. 
And, um, and so we really have to, we have to get rid of those idols because they are not serving us well. And we have to make sure only God is on the throne and that we're not worshiping some of these other things that subtly work their way into our thinking. Yeah. And I think even the idol of this is how our kids should do life. They should leave home. They should go to college. They should graduate from college. They should meet someone, get married, have kids. I mean, we have these preconceived notions. And even when we're pregnant, I mean, all these things are kind of lined up in our minds. And we even had, you know, one of our kids went to college for like a year and a half and thought, okay, I don't want to do this. So he stopped and he was working on a book and doing other things. And, you know, it's like, okay, like letting them figure out their journey without, you know, going through the steps that we have in our mind. Yes. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. And, and, you know, as, like you said, we have in our mind, this is, I think as parents, we think if I do a plus B, I -hmm. will get C. And that's not the way it works in parenting. Because you forget that your kids have free will. And so you have pointed them in the right direction. You have given them a foundation of faith, but they still have to choose their own way. And um, man, that is a, a tough journey. And uh, if, we have, if we have that idol of identity or control, it's going to be really hard for us to allow our kids to kind of take the long way around. And, Mm -hmm. and, um, and they're going to feel judged by us. They're going to feel criticized by us. And we're going to put a rift in that relationship if we're not careful. Right. Yeah. And it is the the balance of, um, just encouraging them and then being there to listen. And, you know, our son that dropped out of college for a while and he, you know, he realized like, okay, working at Walmart and Panera and, um, writing books on the side isn't really gonna cut it and he is back in college but I mean it was you know a couple of years of him figuring it out but now he's like excited and doing great and you know maybe he doesn't finish college maybe he does it's just they have to seek God and they have to follow that path and you know we could be there to be a listening ear and give them advice or um, you know, talk about things when they come to us and ask, but yeah, I love how we do have to, you know, like you said, take the long road around. And I think all of us, all of us have to do that, um, with our own lives and looking back, you know, some of the decisions that I made to seek God or to do different things was because I was at a low spot and I needed God myself. I didn't need someone else's advice. And I think it's so good when we can do that for our kids. So true. We have to be willing to let them take the scenic route. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, okay. And then let's talk about, oh, oh, no, I was going to say one of the things I tell myself all the time is their story isn't finished yet. And that just Mm -hmm. helps me to remember they're on a journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is so good. And, you know, we know so many friends that their kids, you're thinking, what kind of decisions? I mean, we saw they had, you know, wonderful lives and then the decisions, but see them even later coming around years and years later, um, we never know what, what it'll be like and what their future will be like. And, um, and then, you know, we add spouses and grandkids. (laughs) Let's talk about that because it is, you talk about the mission field of, um, it's not over, you know, once they Mm -mm. turn 18 and move out. Mm -mm, No, you're still a mama, but your job description changes. And, uh, and I think that's, what's hard for us. I mean, we've been doing the same job description for 18, 25, 30, 35 years, depending on how many kids we have and how many, you know, years we have between the oldest and the youngest. So 
Um, but, and that's what I, that's really what I wanted to do with uh, Empty Nestful Life is I wanted moms to, so many moms look at this as loss. You know, I, I mean, I just, it's, it's only the two of us now, or it's only me by myself for those that are single moms. And, um, and they see it as such a loss and we need to see the loss in it. Certainly we need to grieve mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the things because there are things about motherhood, like going back to school. I loved getting my kids ready for school. Like I loved getting them then, you know, blessing them with back to school clothing. And I loved being able to get them the new notebooks and getting them, you know, set up for success as much as it depended upon me. I loved that. I don't get to do that anymore. And so there's a loss in that. Um, There's a loss. Today's my husband's birthday. And, you know, he's not going to get to, we're not going to get to celebrate that as a family because we're all in different places. So there's loss. Um, But there's also incredible gain. And we have these Mm -hmm. new mission field opportunities. We have maybe some physical, some financial uh, margin that we haven't had before. Because now we're not buying clothes for five or 10 uh, or three, but we're buying clothes just for ourselves or ourselves and our spouse. So we have a little bit more to do with and to invest in. Maybe there are things we need to, you know, grab hold of compassion or passions that we have. Maybe there are things that we put on the back burner and it's time to say, wait a minute, who am I outside of being a Mm -hmm. mom? Now I can re-engage in that. Yeah, and I think that's the full life part you're talking yeah. about, emptiness, full life. And I think so many times we do think about the loss, the grieving. We don't hear from our kids every day. We don't have dinner every Sunday or whatever. Yeah. But it there is a world out there, and uh, God has plans for us. It's not just, I have plans for you until your kids turn 18, then I have no idea right. what I'm going to do with you. Right. Um, but I have good plans for you. Exactly. And so we have to trust that he has that and we, and, but we may have to do a little bit of self-discovery and that's one of the Mm -hmm. things I do with the book. And, uh, it also has an accompanying journal that really is designed to allow moms to really kind of reconnect with that, who they are as a child of God, who, who they are as a person that has passions and interests and, um, things that they wanted to do you know, 20 years ago, but they put on the back burner because kids came along or maybe there's new interests, things that now they're like, this really interests me and I want to pursue it. I want to learn more about it. So it's really helping moms to, if they've forgotten who they are to reconnect to that, but if they know who they are to just have that inspiration to begin to um, stretch out into new mission field opportunities. Yeah. One of my um, dear friends, she helps me with our teen mom support group every Thursday night. We're still doing our teen mom support group and her kids are probably my age, you know, so they're in their forties. But she is my, I call her my brain because she does all the paperwork. She keeps track of attendance. She checks up on everyone. She schedules everything. And and here I am. I still have little kids. I'm still running around and she's just stepped in and been this huge support for this ministry but even more, you know, for me, because, you know, she does have all her kids are grown and out of the house and 
um, only a few of her grandkids are close. And I just love that, how she's seen this ministry and has just even in turn blessed, you know, someone that I'm still in the middle of it, even though I have older kids, I'm still doing the appointments and the running kids around and all that sort of thing. Yes. And so she has found her mission field. That's a beautiful example. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things um, my husband and I did uh, when our last one left, we began to go, we got this big old farmhouse. What can we do with it? And we decided to host Airbnb. And I'll tell you what, we love it because it brings the mission field to our living room. And, and we enjoy doing it together. It's completely new. It's completely different. If you'd asked me 20 years ago, would I be doing something like this? No, but um, it's something that we both were open to. And we said, hey, let's use our empty nest years this way. Um, let's sit and, and, and visit with people that stay in our home on the front porch and, and really hear their stories and, and uh, begin to engage in a, a completely different mission field than we've ever imagined. Yeah, that is so good. And I wanted to talk about that. I'm so glad you brought that up with you and your husband, because um, let's talk about marriage, because we hear so many times, um, you know, people divorcing after their kids are grown, like the, yes. the next year, they're divorced. Yes. And it's, it's a difficult season, because everyone is trying to figure out who they are. Yes. Well, I think this is really important. Um, and uh, you need to know a little bit of our marriage story. So um, nine years, so my husband was a pastor. Um, in fact, Mark and I um, are self-described as we've been married 36 years, 26 of them happily. And mm. um, uh, nine years ago, uh, he left pastoring. He'd been a pastor for 20 years and uh, started his own uh, construction business. Uh, he said two by, t- two by fours um, didn't have opinions about the music. And he uh, was he was glad to uh, just be in something that was just a little bit emotionally safer. And so anyway, um, but in the midst of that transition, he kind of lost himself. He didn't realize how much his identity was wrapped up in um, in the uh, pastoring and all of that. And so he ended up in a full on midlife crisis affair included. And um, it was a dark dark year of our life. Um, it took us two years uh, eventually. And he left, um, he left the kids and I, he came, uh, finally came back, uh, after four months, very repentant, uh, very remorseful. And we began that rebuilding process. And, um, uh, it, it took us two years to put the wheels back on the bus, but then God began to just open the doors for us to minister to other hurting marriages and our book, No More Perfect Marriages, actually came out of that journey. But what we're finding um, and what when we looked at how we ended up where we were, we identified that we were hit by many what we called slow fades. Years, years ago, Casting Crowns did a song called It's a Slow Fade. No marriage crumbles in a day. It's a slow fade. Well, we began to identify and label our slow fades. And uh, that's eventually what we wrote about in No More Perfect Marriages is we identified seven slow fades that every marriage experiences, but the eight God tools that stop those fades in their tracks. So this is really um, important for the empty nest mamas and the empty nest marriages because you've had the buffer of children and it's likely that you've experienced some fades 
And a fade is simply distance in your relationship. It's where your hearts have been pulled apart one centimeter at a time, but those centimeters have eventually become kilometers. And, right. and so what we want people to know is you can close those gaps. You can, you can do that. Don't just throw in the towel. Don't just say, I don't love you anymore. You might not feel like you love each other anymore, but you can reignite that love. And that's really what's at the heart of understanding that you have to grab hold of your marriage once again. Yeah, that is so good. And I think like you were saying, you know, kids buffer it for many years and we don't realize until there is that, that emptiness there in multiple ways, yeah. <laughs> empty of noise. And then even the emptiness that we often see in the relationships. And I know this from my growing up years, my stepdad, um, who was there all during from the time I was four, um, until I was an adult, um, you know, told, actually he told my husband, he didn't tell me on our wedding day that he was leaving my mom. <gasps> um, and, and it was like, as we're driving off, John and I for our happily ever after, He's like, you know, just so you know, when you come home, I won't be there. And um, it was the same type of thing. But even as an 18-year-old, just how hard oh. that was and uh, <laughs> to, well, to have them divorcing. Exactly. And, you know, that's one of the things my husband will, when we speak about it, we write about it, we talk about it now. But he said, you know, I believed the lie that my kids would be okay. My adult kids would be okay. Mm -hmm. And and his adult kids were not. Because when he left, there were three adults and two teenagers. And they were not okay. And that, I think, was part of what opened his eyes to say, I I'm headed in the wrong direction. So um, we really, we have to fight for our marriage. And we have to recognize that if that marriage dissolves, it will affect your kids no matter their age. And so we've yeah. got to work to keep that intact and to recognize that God brought us together. And guess what? It's hard work to stay together. And you may have to do some healing. You may have to do some digging, but it's worth it. So worth it. Mm, that, yeah, that's so good. Well, there are so many things that we covered and we basically skimmed the book, but <laughs> there is so much good material um, in there. And I think this would be a great gift, you know, as we're thinking about, you know, getting those um, graduation announcements next spring, just realize that, you know, there might be a, a mama on the other end of those that needs to hear this truth. Um, so so true. just, you know, encourage to encourage your friends, pray for them. Um, and if you're not in this, that season, reach out to someone, you talk about friendships too, which we won't have time to dig into, but you know, I know how much I appreciate someone just saying, Hey, you want to get together for coffee? Because yep. it is get challenging. Um, you know, when you, when you do have that kind of that change of pace when you have older kids. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. Well, Jill, thank you so much. Um, and I just love the, what you're doing and the, the information that you're giving in emptiness full life. Um, just share more information about where, they can find out more about you and this book. Yeah. Well, um, they can find out about the book. And then we're also doing an accompanying retreat with the book. Um, and they can find that at emptynestbook.com. Emptynestbook.com. And from there, they can click over to my website and other resources that we offer. But there's all kinds of info there. Thank you so much, Jill. And we'll have all this information in the show notes, too. Sounds good. Thank you. 
my heart is so full right now. And I'm so thankful for Jill sharing so much. You know, sometimes we look at these amazing speakers and writers and think, well, she doesn't have any problems. She doesn't have any struggles. But I just love how she just really opened her heart and just shared about marriage struggles, about parenting struggles to remind us that we aren't alone. And I love that when I sit down with the book and I know that someone has gone through the same things that I've gone through. So be sure to check out her book, um, Empty Nest Full Life. But also, I think it's something that we all need to think about just in our relationships, about being transparent, about opening our hearts, about letting people know what we go through in our struggles, and then being able to point them to God. Um, There are so many challenges that come as our kids grown, and sometimes we think the hardest part is when they're little, and that is hard. It is hard. It is tiring. It is exhausting. But seeing our older kids struggle is just as hard. So today's Walk It Out verse is Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8, and this is from the message, and I pulled this scripture out of um, Jill's book. And it says, a right time for birth, another for death, a right time to plant, another to reap, a right time to kill, another to heal, a right time to destroy, another to construct, a right time to cry, and another to laugh, a right time to lament, another to cheer, a right time to make love, another to abstain, a right time to embrace, and another to part, a right time to search, and another to count your losses, a right time to hold on, and another to let go. A right time to rip up and another to mend. A right time to shut up and another to speak up. A right time to love and another to hate. A right time to wage war and another to make peace. So let me just pray for us now. Dear God, I just thank you so much as our kids grow um, that there are so many different seasons. And just as there is a right time to really embrace, there is a time to let go. And I think so many times... We see this all as loss, but I thank you so much for my friend Jill. I thank you what you're doing in her marriage, in her home, in her family. I pray that you'll continue to bless them, Lord, and strengthen them for the hard journey. But also, I thank you for her encouragement to remind us that we can have a full life. It's not just about loss. It's also about what we can gain with our relationships, with our passions, with our mission, what God has called us to. And I pray that um, as we let go, as we let go of the things that we need to let go of, as we let our kids step out and live their own lives, that we will also embrace the things that you have for us in this season. Just like my friend, Miss Jan, who is such a support to me, I pray that each one of us will just feel a calling and be willing to step into these new areas, Lord. And I know that even if it's drawing close or letting go, that you are there to help us and help our kids. So I pray for every listener that you'll just give hope and encouragement today. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, friend, I am so thankful for you tuning into this podcast. Um, Here I am sitting in my bedroom uh, with way too many piles of books and mail (laughs) around me, but I love that I can talk with a friend, that I can share encouragement, that I can slip away 
that I can be inspired and hopefully that you can be inspired too. So if you enjoy this podcast, share it with a friend, send them the link to the podcast page. And I know you hear these things over and over, but it really does help and encourage me when I see people sharing it. Tag me in it. I would love to know that you are sharing with a friend. And if you know a friend who is going through an empty nest season, maybe they already launched their kids. Maybe they're getting ready to launch kids. Um, maybe they're struggling after their kids are launched, what to do and how to encourage and help their adult children. Pick up this book, um, send them a copy or point them to the resources that Jill has on her website. Again, I know that you'll be encouraged and take time to go to iTunes and leave a review. I love seeing new reviews and I would love to see a few more out there. And again, always you can find out more about me at trishagoyer.com. I have my blogs. I have the podcast links, um, information about my upcoming books. But I know that you um, can encourage others and inspire others by sharing and giving today. Have a great week, friends. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.